This episode is brought to you by BarkBox.com. For a free extra month of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash CogDisc when you subscribe to a 6- or a 12-month plan. Yo, this is Phil from Los Angeles, and I just figured out David Smalley's superpower. He's a... <sighs> kick. Hey, what's up, Tom and Cecil? My name's Anthony. I've been listening to you guys probably since May, and I just want to say how much I love your show and how much it cheers me up, but uh, Cecil... Your dirty, dirty whore mouth jinx us all and then orange menace. God damn it. And all serious, let's come together and try to get through the next four years. Love you guys. Hi, my name is Zoe and I'm from London in England and I stumbled across your podcast when I was living in South Korea of all places and just desperately needed something to drown out the noises that I just couldn't understand and... I have to say that with all the terrible stuff that's going on in your country as well as mine, in 2016 it has been an incredible relief to have your podcast to cheer me up and just make me laugh at the world in a way that other programs have failed to do. So keep up the good work. Glory Hole from London. Dear America, from the bottom of my Canadian heart, Go fuck yourself. I am sitting here with my headphones on, listening to a cognitive dissonance episode 324, where Tom is discussing the NSA and how he finds it absolutely unbelievable that there is possibly someone out there sitting with their headphones on, listening to your every episode. Well, sir, I will have you know. There is. As you were, carry on. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical. It's very much political. Oh, shit. And there is no welcome at. Welcome at's not on sale. Now on sale. Now on sale. Actually on sale. Yeah, on Go sale. to our website, DissonancePod.com, for your free welcome mat. Not actually free. $50. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 325 of Cognitive Dissonance. Yeah. Well, it happened. It happened. I've and never recorded post-apocalyptically yeah, I before. I know. <laughs> so, uh, Tom, before we get into this, now this, this episode, we're going to cover the first 100 days he has planned. Yes. So he posted this plan uh, sent it out, said it in a speech, and it was transcribed. We, we're getting this this information from NPR. It's a quote direct from him. Right. So we're getting this information from NPR, but you can get it anywhere. And it's his first 100 days in office, what he plans to do. Now, we're going to go over it step by step, but we want to talk a little bit about our reactions and sort of how we – what we're doing right now, yeah. what we're thinking about a Trump presidency. Because and no matter what, <clears throat> I was, I think – 
probably the most pessimistic of anybody I've talked to about this. Uh, for sure. And um, now we're going to go with pragmatic and realistic. Well, I was the most pessimistic about a Hillary win and a Trump, yeah. a Trump loss. Right. I thought I was not ready to count him out even up until the end. And uh, but I am still shocked. Right. So even yeah. with even with my <laughs> with pessimism. my pessimism, I am yeah. still shocked that it actually came to pass. So I know that both of us at the at the end of the night, we, we both felt a little drained and a little <laughs> bit angry. I think yeah. both of us were a little yeah. angry. And I want to sort of relate a little, a, a somewhat of a story. Um, I compete, right? So when I, when I compete, I fence and I compete. Uh, if I'm ever beaten, like really badly, especially yeah. if I'm really badly beaten, I save that memory, right? I put that, I, I file that shit away. And what I do is every time I work out, every time I don't want to go to fencing practice, every time I don't want to do drills, every time I don't want to get up in the morning to go for a run, Every time I don't want to go to uh, to a fencing meet because I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I'll skip it and, you know, stay at home and play video games. I think of that moment when I lost. I think of that moment and I say, you know what, this isn't going to happen again. And I and I motivate myself using that moment of defeat. I really hope that the people on our side do the same thing. They utilize that moment of defeat, the feeling that that fucking bile taste in your mouth when you know he's going to be your leader, Ugh. when you know he's it's not just him, but it's it's a red, a red Congress and Senate. And it's fucking it's 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 so worse. I mean, you listen to everybody who's complaining about this at this point. He's a he's a terrible human being, at least has been. I mean, he's portrayed himself yeah. as a terrible yes, human. Thank being you. Yeah. For several years. But what I want people to do is use this as a way to empower themselves. So here's what you can do. Here's I'm, I'm I put together a tiny list of stuff that you can do now and you can do for the next two years. Because two years, there's going to be a midterm election. Right. We can flip the House and Senate in that. You can do it. It can right. be done. It's it possible. It has to be done. Like, it's, let's yeah. change that. Yeah. It has to be done. Yeah. It has to to obstruct this shit. It has got to happen. It yeah. is not an option yeah. for this not to happen. Yeah. So here's where's what I have empower real journalists okay this is the this is the other part of our democracy right our democracy is held in checks and balances by the power but there's another power out there and that's the journalists the only way that we can keep checks on them is to have a ton of people in the private sector watching the government and journalism needs monetary support to survive because for a long time it has not had monetary support I've been closing papers down like crazy they're Firing journalists like mad because right now news is free. So that means if it, if it costs subscribing to the Atlantic to get this done or subscribing yeah. to Rolling Stone to get this done, these people need paychecks to go out and do this work. This investigative journalism that we need to have done, especially when it comes to Trump, because he's already saying he's not going to let people into his inner circle. He's not going to he's going to banish right. journalists from a lot of stuff. Right. He knows he wants to do secret shit. We can't let him do it. We've got to help empower those journalists. That's a great point. Yep. Donate time and money to disenfranchised groups, okay? We're talking about teach English as a second language, okay? Or pay, help give, you know, if you don't have time, give money for that, Yeah. right? Teach recently released prisoners tech skills, fucking how to use Internet Explorer. There's charities out there that do this. Or give money for that. Volunteer at women's shelters or give money for it. Volunteer at homeless shelters. Volunteer for advocacy groups, ACLU, Secular Student Alliance, American Atheists. Those places are going to protect us against the things that he's going to do. 
The um, one of the one of the posts that I posted this week was a post about specifically about fucking uh, one of the one of the atheist groups is saying. I'm fucking, we're going to fight you. We're going to fight you when it comes to education. If they fucking, if they go after and start feeding bullshit to the fucking public schools, we're going after you. And that's what we need to empower. We need to empower it both by donating time and money. And this also means to a party that you like, whether it's Green Party or whatever. We're talking about local government, regular government. You got to get involved now. And that means contacting your representatives if you want action. Who cares if you live in a red state? They have to listen to you. Andrew Torres had a great point. He was like, those people will talk to you. And he's like, and they like stories more than they like, than they want to argue about something that is not concrete. So if you come in and say, and this is, I'm quoting, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not quoting, but I'm certainly drawing from what Andrew said. He said, look, go in, talk to your guy, uh, your representative and say, look, I'm going to lose my medication. If they cut out this preexisting condition thing, I'm going to lose it. I could die. You need to help me. You know what I mean? doesn't matter if they're red or blue or whatever, they're going to listen to you because it's a story. It's a real person. And there's a lot of real people that can reach out. These people are supposed to meet with you. They're supposed to talk to you. I was somebody who said, you know, sending letters is better than email. Calling is better than sending letters. Going to visit them is better than calling them on the phone. So there's, you know, there's a hierarchy that you can follow, but go visit your representative. If we protest and we should keep it nonviolent. One fucking asshole that throws rocks or that punches somebody ruins it for the whole fucking thing. Absolutely, you get one guy yep. out there who yep. flips a fuck, who starts flipping a car over, and a bunch of fucking other morons help him flip the fucking car over, and it doesn't. It fucking basically makes it so that thousands of people, peaceful protesters, are delegitimized. Okay, thousands of people, and it's up to us to police ourselves when it comes to this. You see some asshole throwing rocks, you fucking stop him from throwing rocks. You say fucking dip shit don't do that don't fucking be violent don't be vandals peacefully protest you delegitimize the protest these people think that they can write you off just because some one guy got punched in the head or something stop the violence stop it it's not gonna fix anything what we need to do is be peaceful tons of people on the street the other day stopped traffic i don't find that a violent act okay so i know that there'll be people who argument with me on that fucking i don't agree with you but i watched Peaceful protests in Chicago. I was watching Fox News. They were peaceful protests. They walked up the southbound side. They walked northbound on the southbound lanes of Lakeshore Drive, and they stopped traffic. And you know what? I know somebody who went to those protests, and he called me right afterwards, and he said, Cecil, you should have saw it. Half the people that were there got out of their cars and were high-fiving people, honking their horns. So all this bullshit about, oh, you're stopping traffic and that's dangerous. There's a bunch of people that are in that group that are high-fiving and excited to be part of that protest that they weren't going to be part of. And you add – when you do that – Every time they honk a horn, they're adding to the protest, yeah, right? Right. They're now they're not walking with you, yeah. but they are uh, they're there in solidarity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's important that we're not violent, but stopping traffic is again, that's how you protest. That that's and, and I don't want to hear like that's not how you that's bullshit. You don't just stand in your designated area. You take over the streets. That's what you do. But being physically violent is a wrong thing to do, and I think that, that we need to police ourselves and say, no, there won't be any violence here. And now I know I saw the other day the people in New York had uh, Trump on a noose. They had a if, None of, of that. None of that. I will I don't say— don't like that. I, that shit is—it's it, quasi-violent. Right. I, I will say that I don't, agree, I don't think that burning something in effigy or having something on a noose is as bad— um, 
I think that there is definitely a difference between having Trump on a noose and having Barack Obama on a noose. One has a racial overtone. One, ha- well, not, one has a yeah. racial history of 200 yeah, years right, of slavery right, right. and fucking lynchings. And one, the, how many fucking billionaires are on nooses? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no fucking history there. So I don't want to hear that it's the exact same thing. Right. But I think that, you know, we can be funny. We can be clever. We can be angry. But we shouldn't be violent. And that's something that I think we need to we need to push against. Vote. Fucking vote. Get out there and vote every single time. Don't just come out when it's the big boys club, when it's the presidential election. Vote in the midterms. Vote for your local government. Vote every single time and get involved. Regional, local, national, doesn't matter. Get involved in those elections if you, if it's something that you're passionate about. You know, our government is shit in Illinois. Our government is garbage. Fucking that Rauner is a fucking douchebag idiot who has no idea what he's doing. He's just a rich guy <laughs> like Trump who's fucking, he's like fucking, I'm taking my hands off the wheel and it's just fucking it doesn't matter he's gonna drive this fucking state into the ground we need to make sure that he gets stopped this next election and we need to be we need to be empowered to do that and then finally my suggestion would be vote with your dollar it's going to be harder i think as time goes on to try to figure out which companies really don't deserve your money but we, we need to pay attention if people are really sort of sidling up with this administration we need to stop and if and, and that that can be uncomfortable, right? That can be an uncomfortable position to be in because you're like, fucking, I really wanted a new iPhone. Well, maybe you won't get one, you yeah, know? Right. And that's okay. You know, we need to make ourselves uncomfortable in order to show them that they that they should feel uncomfortable. So that's my list of plans of, of attack. And I think that you can use that fire, that bile of that night to push you. If you don't want to go out there and 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 don't and donate your time or money this weekend, you start thinking about, well, how did that feel when that fucking asshole won? oh, maybe I should go out and help these disenfranchised groups because they don't have any help. They don't have anybody out there that's going to do it. And they're the increasingly not going to. The government's going to right. keep on dropping that off. So we've got to be yeah. there to pick that slack up. You know, Cecil, I think that that's an, I think that's an awesome list. I think that's an awesome list. And that's a hell of a lot better than what I've put together. I put together a reaction that I'm okay. going to read in just a second. Okay. But I, I, I want to comment on, on one of the things that you said because it, it just strikes me, and, and, and I like it very much. You know, if the Republicans get their way, and they will, right, there will no longer be a government social safety net. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we just have to deal with it, right? I can't wish it back into place. Nothing wishing, we can do. Yeah. You know, wishing is not a plan. Hope is yeah. not a strategy, yep. right? So fucking throw that shit away. Be the safety net, yeah. right? Now it's our obligation. You've got a few extra dollars every month. Go be the safety net. Yeah. Modest yeah. needs needs your help now. Yeah. They need your help more than ever now. Exactly. We have an obligation to be the safety net for the disenfranchised because – as a as a government, we've just said we're not doing it. That's that's a big part of what we all are. We we all just fucking made a great big agreement and shook our fucking hands and said vote red, goodbye social safety net. Yeah. So if that's something that does not appeal to you, if that's something that you bemoan and mourn, then your obligation is to be one of the wires in the safety net. Yep. I I, I think I think we can do it. I think we have to do it now. If we don't do it and we're just fucking piss and moan about it, yeah. Then you're basically lying yeah. you know you're just lying you're saying i care but i don't care enough yeah. to do anything or to spend anything yeah. right if you don't have anything to spend give time if you don't have time give money if you don't have either one then fucking get then, on the phone well, no, then get on no, the phone no. it do then something you, if you don't have either one then you probably need you're the probably social are part of the safety you're, you're yeah, probably, you probably need yeah, that safety you're, you're net, true. right that's true that's true so if you don't right. have either one you're probably yeah. looking for help yeah and hopefully someone who does have one or the other is going to give you what what they have right i also want to say though really quickly i want to jump in there's one more point and I've seen this all over Facebook, so I, I almost feel like I shouldn't really be, you know, I shouldn't be re-mentioning because everybody's been saying it. But stop bullying when you see it. 
and this is important. Um, if you see somebody being, you know, bullied, if you see someone being pushed around because people feel empowered at this juncture in our time to push people around, stand up for them. Yeah, it's our job true. to stand yep. up for them, right? Yep. You know, we disagree with that. Well, I'm not going to let somebody. You know, he's talking about, you know, a fucking. A religious test to come in the country, a, a list for all Muslims, a fucking registry list. You know what? If somebody's gonna fucking attack somebody for wearing a hijab, and 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 I see it, yeah, it's game on. Right? I'm gonna stop and and make yeah. sure that they know yeah. that they can't do right. that. And and I think it's up to all of us to if we see that sort of thing to stop it, to try to stand up, just like we police ourselves. We got to make sure that they don't do the wrong things too. Yeah, you know this. That that's a good point, and that gets back to something we've talked about before, which is. That I, I do think that as somebody who um, who wants positive social change in the world, you have to allow no quarter yeah. in your life, no quarter in your professional life, in your personal life. There should be no safe place for bullies, for racists, for misogynists, for yeah. bigots. Yeah. We we empower these people when we don't say anything yeah. back. And we just sit and smile. You know, huh? when, when we all just say, oh, well, you know, I mean... He, you know, he dropped the N-word at the fucking barbecue, and I didn't say anything back because it was weird, and I didn't want to make a scene. Make a scene! Yeah. Make a fucking scene. It's, it is an obligation. It's more important than it's ever been to make a scene, to put yourself in an uncomfortable role. You know, this idea of being non-confrontational, it doesn't work with bullies, right? Yeah. The bully is confrontational. Yeah. We cannot be non-confrontational in return. Violence is not the answer. I agree with you, but... Uh, violence has to be stopped. You can't, you're not going to solve violence by standing around wishing it wasn't happening. For sure. But on a, on a more um, practical and probably more um, frequent level, again, you provide no quarter for these people in your life. They don't get, you know, you, you don't employ racists, misogynists, homophobes, xenophobes. You don't employ them. You just don't. You don't give them a space in your social gatherings, in your social circles. Make them outcasts. Yeah. Make, them, make them have no place to go in your life. That's the only thing you get to control, right, is your life and who you allow in it and who you allow in your circle. So, Tom, why don't you read your piece? All right. It's nowhere near as practical as yours, but it is my, this was my response. So I'm doing something that I never do, and that's write my thoughts for this show. I'm doing this because I actually don't trust myself to speak well enough extemporaneously about this. I know I made a really big deal uh, both on this show and in my real life about how impossible it was that Trump was going to be elected. I did so in the typically comical, buffoonish manner that I do when I'm going for laughs and effect, and I played the clown, and I told everyone I'd eat my hat and suck a dick or whatever if Trump got elected. And up until late in the evening on election night, I was still playing the clown because I felt so confident that there was no way, literally no actual way, that America had enough small-minded, angry, bitter, racist, anti-intellectuals to make this happen. In the middle of recording that night, I actually texted a reassurance to someone that this would all be okay. And I meant it. I meant it because I believed that America was far, far better than a Trump presidency. A thought that now feels hopelessly naive, and which I'm still having a hard time banishing from my worldview. <laughs> For all of my put-upon anger and my yelling, I am very much an optimist at heart. Um, I always have been. I frequently have to be told by my friends and loved ones when someone is behaving badly behind the scenes because my inclination, an inclination that I have aggressively resisted changing, is to trust that people, by and large, mean well. And I find myself reflecting on this election and what it means not just for policies that will affect the people that I love, but on what this election says about us as a country. What does this reflect back at us about who we are? 
And just as much, I find this election personally unsettling and that I'm forced to re-examine some of my most deeply held beliefs about the general goodness, fairness, and kindness of the people that I pass in the street. The morning after the election, I was on the phone with someone I care deeply about, and she told me about putting her boy on the bus that morning, and she cried. I want to be very clear here before I move on. I want to emphasize something, lest you think this is all just sour grapes, because personally, I'm going to be just fine, right? I'm a late 30s, upper middle class, heterosexual white male. Yeah, yeah, you're going to be great. The world is and was literally built for me by other wealthy white men. But my friend's boy, who she put on the bus the morning after a racist was elected to the highest political office in arguably the world, is a beautiful, kind, intelligent, mixed-race boy. And the new leader of his country thinks he is less than his lighter-skinned counterparts. And I wonder, how does he and his family internalize and reconcile themselves not only to Trump himself, but to the evidence around them that they are surrounded by people who, to be the most charitable, do not find racism vile enough to be disqualifying? This is repugnant. And when this attitude was revealed again and again throughout the election cycle, this should have relegated Trump to the dustbin of racist history. That this not only did not happen, but that this may have helped to propel him to power, this should shock our conscience. And it didn't. It didn't for enough of us. And what this says about us and about our conscience unsettles and disgusts and scares me. This is a man who is openly and obviously misogynist. Think about being misogynist for a moment. It's 2016. We just elected a man who refers to women routinely and on stage with clear disdain. And he's talking when he does that about half of the population. This is not a minority group. This is half the population. I keep thinking we can't possibly have done this. Elected a man who sends this message to our daughters, that they live in a world that elected a leader who finds them repellent for the fact of their gender. Make no mistake, though, we did this. This is what we did. And the only way we could have done that, again, is to be the kind of people who are not repulsed enough by these attitudes to reject immediately the kind of small-minded, insecure assholes who espouse these beliefs. And Trump is openly anti-intellectual. He's been the president-elect for two days, as I wrote this, and he's already talking about appointing a climate change skeptic to his cabinet. Yep. Again, what really upsets me here is not so much the terrifying dystopian nightmare <laughs> that is a Trump presidency, but that enough of our population values rationality and evidence so little, if at all. Rationality, evidence, a commitment to the well-being of others, a recognition of the shared humanity of people, these are the values that simply must be demanded in us and then reflected in our choice of leaders if we're going to have any hope at all of dealing with the issues that face us. Instead, we actually chose a belligerent, ill-tempered, racist, misogynist, xenophobic, billionaire game show host. That's what we just did with no experience and no respect for the intellect. That was our choice. Yeah. And I think we did it just because he was angry, too. Mm -hmm. How pathetic is that, Cecil, that we love our anger so much that we voted for a man whose primary talent for the job is to throw a national temper tantrum, the kind that we seem so hell-bent on having, despite all costs. And I know I throw, usually, a big shitty fit over all the little things, 
and I promise that I will get back to being the clown. But I wanted for just a moment to be real. I don't actually think Trump is funny. I don't think this is funny. I think it reflects back at us the worst parts of who we are. And I admit to being truly and genuinely unsettled at how many of us not only still nurture these kinds of deep and profound character defects, but that there are so many people proud enough of those faults to want to see them amplified. Shame on us for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So before we move on from that, I want to read the top 10 things about a Trump presidency. All right. I got a, I got a glass half full. All right. Bring okay. it home, buddy. Glass half full. I, I, think, I think the audience right now is like, <laughs> everybody, everybody tie a fucking sad ribbon yeah, exactly. to our tails. Everybody tie a sad <laughs> ribbon around your neck and step off the stool. Oh, God. All right. So 10. Right. 10 top things. All right. Number 10. Possibly a reformed uh, Democratic National Party. So, okay. yeah. uh, you know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's a chance we could have some real reform there, one that doesn't include shitty emails behind the scene that right. that alienate a candidate. You know what sure. I mean? Like, yeah. hopefully the leader of this and the way in which this this falls out, the DNC looks a little better and yeah. grows and gets stronger from this. Number nine. A 69-year-old is taking the toughest job on earth. He's going to be the oldest sitting president ever. Oh, I like Ever. This. After one year in office, he's going to look like Pizza the Hut. Okay, so that's, that's number nine. The first lady's cause is going to be childhood obesity because she's going to copy everything from Michelle. She's also going to do a turn up for what video? Right? I want to see yeah, that. So, I want to see that. Yeah, in broken English because um, she's an immigrant. All right. So number seven. He's going to deport his wife. <laughs> number seven. Fence sitters are going to be motivated by racism, sexism, environmentalism, and anti-immigration stuff. Yeah. People that are sort of in the center, if this stuff comes to pass, and here's the thing, I'm actually hoping that it doesn't, right? I'm hoping that he's gotten into office, and we're going to talk about this when we get to his first 100 days, yeah. we're not sure he's going to go there, right? But if he does, he's going to motivate a much larger base than I think he recognizes. He's going to motivate people against him. He's going to motivate not just us, but the people who thought maybe he wasn't going to go there or the people yeah, who voted. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's going to be, yeah, yeah. there's going to, or the people who voted for him in the sense that they thought he was going to do one thing and then he winds up doing another thing. You know, there's a very good possibility that he could, he could not do the things that he promised to do, like get rid of all the money in Washington, get rid of all the lobbyists and well, you know, all this stuff that he's right. sort of been these anti-government stuff that he's been doing and still do all the horrible shit that you were willing to put up with along to get rid of sort of to get a, an outsider in, you know, he could just become another insider and then do all the horrible shit. You were like, well, maybe I'll be OK with that as long as he or, fucking fixes Washington. Sure, right? right. Yeah. Maybe he's going to fuck you in the ass and do whatever the fuck he wants. And if he does, he's going to motivate a lot of people. Yeah. That's, that's, number, that's number seven. Number six, saying thanks, Trump, for everything that gets to go wrong at this point, right? We get that for the next four years. That's true. That's exciting. That's nice. Number five, the private sector is going to be picking up slack where the government fails. And when we finally have somebody that's worth a shit in the government – that's going to be that's actually good and motivated to do the public to, to turn the public on the public works onto this. Can you imagine what a, a united public and a private sector are going to do? Like, for example, take environmentalism, right? He's going to be anti-environmentalism. We're going to be doing everything we can in the private sector to try to combat, combat this that. awful yeah, right. shit that's down that's coming down the road. Right. A 
uh, secretary of the of the interior of Sarah Palin, who's drill baby drill. Oh my drill. god! Oh a my god! Sh- you know, a, a release of you know shale and uh, all that all that gas, and then uh, drilling off off seas. But if we get enough private sector people to start fighting it, once the public sector starts coming back around because Trump's gone and other people are gone, maybe now it's a huge snowball effect. Yeah, maybe there's a unified effect, right? right? Yeah. Number four, live tweeting the State of the Union address. Oh, it's going to be great. So great. You don't know how great great it's going to be. be. Number three, never, ever, ever having to hear which style is better. Chicago is Barack Obama. New York style is Trump. (laughs) So we fucking won that war. That's our war. I never want to hear that again. Chicago style, one million percent better. (laughs) There's never an argument. Number two. Uniting huge groups of people. I believe the front's huge. Women. Yeah. In general. There's going to be a million yeah. women march right after his inauguration. They've already started planning it. And I'm going to keep my eye on this and let people know when it's happening. I think my wife's going to go. We're talking about, a, you know, they're, you know, maybe they're going to round up to the nearest million like Ellen DeGeneres right. says. <laughs> Who knows? But I guarantee there's enough angry women in this country to go there, travel to, to to Washington D.C. and and walk around for a day and be very very you know to to, to be, be angry yeah. and be present yeah and 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 that will happen and the number one thing of a Trump presidency Tom I'm waiting I'm waiting the 46th president of the United States Elizabeth fucking Warren oh right? yes right oh that, that could happen that could that could happen. That is dick hardeningly awesome. Absolutely, right? That would be spectacular. So that's the top ten things about a pre- Trump presidency. Some of them funny. Some of them very true, though. Yeah, right? no, I think there's, a, I think there's a grain true. of truth in all of them. Yeah, so. particularly the Chicago style. Yeah, it's fucking a. So Cecil, I've got a dog. I got a little uh, shitty little rescue dog that I love very much. He's uh-huh. about a twenty-five pound little bundle of Fergus. anxiety. Little Fergus. Fergus. Wee little Fergus. It's the little Fergus. Oh, Chase. Fergus. Oh, Janelle. And so the folks at BarkBox, they sent us, I, I got a BarkBox package, and uh-huh. I got to tell you, like, it's kind of great. It's honestly kind of great, because, like, what it, they're all themed, and they're fucking cute, and um, they come with the treats, raw hinds. He got, like, a little ball thing that's in an avocado, because it's like a California dreaming type of thing. So it's like okay. a ball yeah, in an avocado thrower. Adorable. Yeah. You know, like, the kids love it. Had, you know, all the treats are, like, these all-natural treats, and... and uh, Everything it says is made in the United States, all that kind of good stuff. United States or Canada. Yeah. It's a fun little box. And it's a box that's packed full of shit. It's more shit than I ever normally give my dog. Like, if you are the kind of person that goes out and buys treats and buys toys for your dog, it's really, like, kind of this unique, themed, fun little package for your for your furry friend. I liked it. I liked it quite a lot. And Burgess liked it. And it's that's like, really what counts. It's like Christmas every month. That just comes in a box. Yeah. It's dog Christmas. It's dog Christmas it's every month. Dog Christmas. For a free extra month of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash CogDisc when you subscribe to a six or a 12-month plan. All right, so the first 100 days, yep. uh, we're going to take a look at each one of these pieces. I'm going to read each one, and then we're going to talk about each one, Tom. So okay. let me get to the first one here. The first one is... Propose a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on all members of Congress. Um, I am going to say something that makes me feel weird in parts yeah, no. of me. And I think I'm a hundred percent down with yep. this. I've been, I've yelled yeah. because it's the only way that I know how to speak. Mm-hmm. I have yelled about term limits to almost anybody who's foolish sure. enough to engage sure. me in a political conversation. Yeah. I believe in term limits. I think we should have them. I don't know what that answer is. I don't know exactly how it looks like. We talked about an election night. 
I believe in term limits, if he could get that done, which he simply will not be able to yeah. get this accomplished. And here's why he was not going to get it done is because it requires a, an amendment because it's already been ruled on right. by the Supreme Court. So it requires an amendment that's three quarters – that's a three-quarter ratification or 38 out of 50 states. You've got to convince – Three quarters of the senators and <laughs> to vote against their own best interests. To vote against their best interests. Yeah, it's and never going to happen. It's never, ever, ever, never gonna ever going to happen. You have a better chance of uh, getting uh, getting into the oval orifice of Sarah Palin, <laughs> I think, than actually. I've seen that video. <laughs> I tell you what, those two guys, they might not have been able to see Russia, but they had a good view. <laughs> so so that's the first thing. Again, I think that we're going to go through this, and there's going to be several times where I say, I like this. And yeah, I, there, and, there are some pieces, even I, a blind dog gets yeah. lucky sometimes. And I may be, I may be in, misinformed on some of it, and I welcome any kind of, of corrections on this particular episode. Yeah, agreed. Because I may be uninformed when it comes to why I agree with it. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that there will be things that I think I'll agree with because they're written in a way that – um, his his proposals are written in a way that encourages agreement. Let's let's sure, be honest. About sure, this, absolutely. Right? I think all things, though, and, based on this right. election cycle, require that. Right. Yeah. So so there may be things behind the scenes that I'm missing. Yeah. You know, and I, I welcome some feedback yeah. on that. So second is a hiring freeze on all federal employees to reduce to reduce federal workforce through attrition, and he's exempting military, public safety, and public health. But I don't know. If he's saying public safety and homeland security, if that's what he means, only that department, or if he means like any job in public safety well, or any job in public health, or is he just talking about the U.S. public health service? Is that all he's talking about? You know, I don't yeah. know. You don't know because it's not clear. And yeah. it's not clear, I think, because it's Weasley. Yeah. Right? Because if I use words like safety and health, I can say, okay, well, I'm going to defund the EPA, then something shitty happens, and then I'm going to – not defund, but I'm going to, I'm going to hiring freeze the EPA, for example. Then something shitty happens, and he can say, oh, it's now a public health and safety crisis, and I can redo it. Yeah. There's so many things sure. that when you use big, broad terms like health and safety, you can fit almost anything mm-hmm. into that rubric, right? I mean it's as gaping yeah. as fucking Sarah Palin's asshole. You can fit almost anything in there. <laughs> you can't. It's like, there's really. almost nothing you Literally, can't cram in no there with loop. enough loot. You don't need anything. It's Actually, fun. you don't even need loot. Just- <laughs> you just, when, you, when you start to put it in, though, you do have to have the backup warning sound, though, where you're like, <laughs> All right, so one thing I will say, though, about this is that he's supposedly doing this to fight corruption, not it is not framed as a money saver. It's not framed as a money saving measure specifically for this. Which is good because it would be a meaningless line item Absolutely. in a budget. It's meaningless. It's, it's, it's meaningless. Out. And I'm not sure how this fights corruption. Yeah. I'm actually unclear. I mean, other than like, you know, cronyism, is he yeah. suggesting that this is a. Well, he's t- I think he's talking about the emails where she, where specifically Hillary, was giving out jobs and things. And appointments based on how sure. much people donated. And yeah, he wants to right. stop that. So there's a hiring freeze. So it's not like you gave a million dollars to my campaign. I just made you the fucking, you know, the fucking mayor of Cheeseland or whatever. Right. You yeah. know? But, you know, I, I see something like that. And, I, you know, a hiring freeze sounds like a good idea. But there are so many times where, you, you know, you want to accomplish something. You need a person to do the work. Right. Right. You know, and a hiring freeze is such a blanket solution. It's 
the problem I have with it is it's 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 a it's a nuclear bomb for yeah. you know a, a surgical strike. It's it's just sure silly. And and, and, the, and we're talking about federal employees that covers a lot of ground here. So I'm just going to read off several different departments, and this, these are huge departments with several subgroups underneath them: Department of Agriculture, Department of Commerce, Department of Defense, Department of the Ed, of Education, Department of Energy, Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Homeland Security, United States Department of Housing and Urban Development, Department of the Interior, Department of Justice, Department of Labor, Department of the State, Department of Transportation, Department of the Treasury, Department of Veterans Affairs, and then also you have independent agencies like the EPA, NASA, FCC, FTC. There's tons of federal jobs. And we're cutting out, we're having a a hiring freeze on it all. Have you ever been a part of a hiring freeze in an organization that's worked out? Yes. And are they ever the most effective way to run that organization? Because I have been part of hiring freezes and they are on a on a on a departmental level, they're somewhat disastrous. Yeah. Because they're they're agreed to at at a very high level and we say, okay, we're gonna do this hiring freeze across the board. And that sounds great because maybe things are sure. down across the board, but on individual bases yeah. across large organizations, it can really damage your ability to perform necessary actions because not everything yeah. is moving at the same level, at the same speed, yeah. at the same trajectory. Sure, hiring freezes are are they're broad solutions yeah. that don't address microscopic problems, and I, I don't agree with them in general. I think they're stupid. All right, so third is a requirement that every new federal regulation. Two existing regulations must be eliminated. <laughs> so arbitrary. It's, well, what it is is it's a small government move. It's like making him look like it's small government. And <laughs> he has said 70% of regulations can go. He's been quoted as saying that. So that means that and, – and we're talking about governmental regulations. This can be from anything from – uh, from regulations on food, regulations on you know, I mean, we're talking about like th- like as sim- yeah. things as simple as that, right? To um, regulations in banking, regulation. I mean, we're talking about and we're talking about government regulations. These cover tons of different areas. But here's why this is. I think this is just this is just a show. That's all this is. Is this is a yeah, this is a dick pic. It doesn't mean anything. It's not going to attract anyone, right? Sure. Because you know, if I am in the first thing that would occur to me is I would say, okay, guys, we have a regulation we want to propose. I'm going to turn to my staffers. And I'm going to say, get me every bullshit outmoded regulation that sure. no longer even refers to something the government does anymore. Yeah. And I'd start repealing, like, I want my regulation to do A. And I would repeal the regulation about, uh, you know, horse and buggy whips. Yeah, buggy whips and, I would, and you know, fucking anal sex on Sundays. Right, and yeah. so there's going to be a fucking gazillion of those things that are unenforced yeah. and, you know, meaningless. Yeah. And those will get, you know, eliminated. There'll be no actual change, right? Yeah. This is a show. This yeah. is not actually uh, right. anything that means anything. So, uh, fourth, a five-year ban on White House and congressional officials becoming lobbyists after they leave government service. Great. Eh, you know, the current ban is one year, okay? Um, and this stems, again, from the WikiLeaks emails that yeah. came out. Uh, but however, I just want to point out that several leaders on Trump's transition team are former lobbyists, you know, and this is according to the Washington Post. So there's several of them are former lobbyists. So we're not sure whether or not this is actually going to go through. If these people are, are the people that are in his ear, this may get wiped out in his first hundred days. We'll see if this actually goes to, I don't personally, when I see this, I think that might, that sounds like a good idea. I don't want to see somebody who just worked for the White House becoming a lobbyist because they they know a ton of people. They have that that connection. You're in, and it's like, all right, next year when you get out of government, you know, I got a nice cushy CEO job exactly. over at lobby.org, exactly, right? You know, right? Fuck all that. Yeah. I, I don't hate this. I don't hate this at all. I think, you know, money in politics, just like term limits. I think money in politics is a real fucking problem. Yeah. 
All right, so this is this is again leaning to the same thing. Fifth, a lifetime ban on White House of officials lobbying on behalf of a foreign government, and this is again Fine. for the Wiki WikiLeaks emails. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. I don't yeah. think you know okay. lobbying on. Maybe somebody can tell me why that's bad, but for me as an outsider, I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds fine. Yeah, I, I don't uh, dislike that. It doesn't bother me. And then again, number six, a complete ban on foreign lobbyists raising money for American elections. Again, this Great. seems. This seems like a good idea. However, that's sort of interesting now that we're getting stories that, you know, Trump has contacts between Russia and Trump pre pre election. Right. right. I know. Right. I so, know. So so come on, buddy. Yeah, on, like, on one hand, he's like, oh, you can't raise money, but you certainly can employ, yeah. you know, right ways in which to dig into things and whatnot. It's sort of like get yeah. your hand off my dick. Because there's another hand already yeah, on my or dick. Get your hand off my dick because somebody's watching, but it's right. okay to do it in secret. Yeah. All right, so this is now shifting off, uh, away from his uh, his first set, and this is going to the second set. He says, on the same day, I will begin taking the following seven actions to protect American workers. Now, these are all focused on the American workers. He says, first, I will announce my intention to renegotiate NAFTA. So now, NAFTA, what it is, I just want to explain it mm-hmm. really quickly. Um, what it was was a an agreement between the three nations that are in North America, right? So, well, the three major nations right. that are in North America—the ones that count, the the, the ones that are not <laughs> tiny, the ones yeah, that are no, not I, the tiny I, little. I'm joking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's, yeah, but but it's, it's true. true, right? It's, let's. It's, it's it's Canada, the United States, and Mexico. It's those three. It's mainly so, those three. Yeah. And so it basically there was a ton of tariffs back then, tariffs between trading, mm-hmm. and they cut all that shit out. They said, no, we're gonna right. we're gonna phase them out, and they started phasing them out. They also established a health and safe, safety and industrial standards based on on you know right. so we can have trade between the two. There's also side agreements on moving jobs to Mexico, and there's side agreements on pollution. There's expanded telecommunications trade, reduced closing clothing trade barriers, more trade in agriculture, increased investment opportunities, increased intellectual property rights, and expanded contract bidding that all came with NAFTA. So right. all that yep. stuff's wrapped up in NAFTA. And – so that's where we're, that he wants to renegotiate NAFTA. Now, one of the things that happened right away was the president or prime minister of Canada immediately said, "I'm willing to talk to Trump. Let's if he wants to renegotiate, let's renegotiate." So immediately, someone was already ready to rene- renegotiate. Sure. Um, but right now, we have zero duties on our trade with Canada and Mexico, and I don't know how you get a better deal than that. Are they going to give us money? You don't get a better deal than zero. Duties, like I don't, I don't understand what what exactly is he hoping to get out of it. Well, I think what he's hoping to get is tariffs from Mexico. I think that's what he's hoping to get. I think, I think his, you know, I, I did, I did a little reading about this, and I, and I, I will say that what I, what I focused my attention on is what do economists think? Yeah. If this were, and uh, and I didn't read it so much as a renegotiation because that's Weasley. Like what is yeah. what he has said is he wants to eliminate it. You know what, renegotiate or eliminate. Yeah. Um, and but I he think, says here clearly. He says renegotiate. Renegotiate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I think he also says or eliminate. Right. Yeah. I think he says, yeah, or withdraw yeah. from the deal. Sure. So, um, and a lot of his stump speech, a lot of his stump speaking was saying NAFTA is the worst thing that you know we've sure. done, blah, 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 blah. So economists, by and large, are, are not in favor of this. Economists, you know, one of the problems is uh, with, with rene- renegotiating or eliminating something like NAFTA is it's already here. Yeah. It allows for, you know, free trade between these countries. You know, again, I know these, this is a pretty controversial. NAFTA was controversial when it was passed. Sure. It remains controversial now. If you were, however, to repeal or withdraw from NAFTA, most economists agree that this would cause a tremendous downturn in the economy. Yeah. This, this would not have a positive effect 
on economic futures. So I don't think that's good for the American worker. Yeah, and are you going to go back to where we were when we first started, which was which yeah, but the to, reason why yeah. we got into the deal was because we wanted it, we had benefits. There was benefits to getting into this deal. You don't get into a you don't right. make this fucking negotiation right. if you're not getting something yeah, out of you're, it. You're not the strongest trading partner out of the three. Yeah, which we are. Yeah, you know the biggest money player out of the three in, in negotiation. You don't negotiate something that's bad for your economic best interests. Yeah. That's not what NAFTA was. The the argument is that it shifts jobs to Mexico, yeah. right? And then and then Mexico imports goods into the United States, yeah. and they, when they import those goods, they're not paying tariffs on that on on that importation of goods. And so it encourages people to move jobs and manufacturing into Mexico. Yeah. And there's an argument to be Absolutely, made about that. There's an, there, argument. There's an Absolutely. argument to be made about that. Absolutely. But things are always more complex, and it's just like the giving of entitlements. When you build trade agreements and then you wipe those trade agreements out, it's much easier to put in place than to pull it back down and expect all those moving pieces to continue to fire. You know, what happens now when, okay, great, now, now Mexico stops – Paying or Mexico's going to have to pay tariffs, for example. But they've already moved their manufacturing plants for Ford, for example, into Mexico. So now I'm a consumer and I'm going to buy a car and I'm going to buy a Ford. And that Ford is more expensive. So you know what I'm not going to do? Buy a fucking Ford. Yeah. Because Ford's not going to be like, oh, we just made less money today. They're going to pass that fucking cost onto the goddamn consumer. Not gonna, it's not like they're not going right? to pass that off. So now yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a goddamn Honda instead of the Ford. And so Ford loses money. And so the workers that support that whole industry, you see, it trickles. You know, it. it, it it's dominoes. You know, it's more complicated than just like, well, you got to pay some money in a tariff. Like, it's a lot more complicated than that because yeah. trade and economics is an interwoven system. Yeah. yeah. And again, here's the next piece. Second, I will announce our withdrawal from the Trans-Pacific Partnership. This is the TPP that everybody's been complaining about. And a little background, it involves 12 countries, the U.S., Japan, Malaysia, Vietnam, Singapore, Brunei, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Mexico, Chile, and Peru – um, it's basically there to deepen economic ties between these nations, slashing tariffs and fostering trade to boost growth. And uh, the member countries are sort of hoping to foster closer relationships on economic policies and regulation. And the agreement would sort of create a new single market, something like the EU. Anyone just wants to right. pull right out of it. There's been some groundwork that's been laid on this by President Obama, but it's never going to get past anything before they get in so nothing's going to happen this is not going to happen essentially it's just not going to happen this was not like as soon as on tuesday night you knew tpp was dead it's dead it's just so it's a non-issue so i uh, the idea that it's in here is like well he said this before he got elected you know what i mean fair enough yeah so um so third i will direct my secretary of treasury to label china a currency manipulator and the chinese chiropractors as spine manipulators <laughs> i think um the the gonna change all their feng shui so of their money so i want to read a, a quote i got from foreignpolicy.org all right if the treasury finds that manipulation is taking place the law requires them to take action to initiate negotiations for the purpose of ensuring that such countries regularly and promptly adjust the rate of exchange As a number of experts have pointed out, the United States and China already are in negotiations over China's exchange rate, so it's not clear what a label would actually change. Well, I I think that it is clear what a label would actually change. It would appease people who are angry at China. That's all this is. This is another dick pic, right? Like, it's it's all show, no action. Yeah, yeah. So— 
Fourth, I will direct the Secretary of Commerce and U.S. Trade Representative to identify all foreign trading abuses that unfairly impact the American <laughs> worker and direct them to use every tool in the American You're this and the same way. international <laughs> law to end those abuses immediately. Yeah, well, and this basically is like, I will fix problems. I know, right? Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah. Like yeah, number great. five, make it great again. Yeah. So great. Like, what does that mean? It's fucking, that doesn't mean it. You know, it's just like it's like what. What asshole isn't going to do this? Right? You know, this is this is like when you're in a meeting and somebody's like, "Okay, I'm going to take these action items and we'll regroup uh, next week." It's like nothing you said means anything. <laughs> you didn't say anything. Nothing you said means anything. Fuck you for not saying it. All right. So fifth, I will lift the restrictions on production of fifty trillion dollars worth of job-producing American energy reserves, including shale, oil, natural gas, and clean coal. Great. So in other words. Goodbye, climate. Well, it oh, and this We're is basically going to cover bears in this oil. Is, this is a I know, like fucking just hose them down. Just gonna, it's like it's like gonna, it's like fucking making it rain on the bears. You right? Know? If you're just like dumping barrels of crude on them, you we're, know, we're going to inject our kids with asthma now. That's basically exactly. what we're going to do. Oh, I thought you liked greasy turtles. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the same fucking thing. Same. That's a fucking, throwback, buddy. Same fucking Holy thing. Holy cow! Yeah, that's a Billy God right there. Holy cow! All right, so. Um, so this is from Think Progress. Open up federal lands for unfettered coal extraction, support offshore oil drilling, and generally move away from any kind of international climate cooperation. Cooperation oh is basically what this means. Yeah, okay? it's terrifying. The thing is, is he's saying this is job producing. Okay, so we went to Politic Fact to find out, you know, whether or not this is job producing. And it's the pipeline that had been had it been constructed. This is a pipeline. This is, I think, the the Keystone, the Keystone pipeline? pipeline. Had it been constructed, would have only resulted in fifty permanent long term jobs. The rest of the jobs created by the pipeline would have been temporary construction jobs lasting only four to eight months. Of the uh, of the pipeline's effect on the larger economy, the Washington Post said. The impact is barely a ripple. And that's one of the things that people don't understand is that, you know, it's it's the reason why, you know, the tar sands fluctuate back and forth, right? If the energy isn't cheap enough to get, then it's then it's there's no use in getting it, right? right? We always go for the fucking we are looking for the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to energy. And we're constantly shifting that position. I think that's that's the part yeah. that people sometimes and I don't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but I think that's the part that people sometimes fail to consider is that there are so many sources for fossil fuels globally now, yeah. right? And we're going to do whatever's cheapest today. We will literally make changes. This is, The energy industry pivots very, very quickly in terms of where it's willing to buy its bulk yeah. resources from. Yeah. So we're, we're willing to pivot and do tar sands if that's cheaper today. But if tomorrow Saudi Arabia or OPEC opens up their production, then we're just going to buy it from them exactly. and not buy it from the tar sands. Yeah. And we make those changes at an, in, in an incredibly fast pivot yeah. in the, in the, ener the energy industry um, you know, futures move constantly and quickly. Yeah. So you're not, what you're going to wind up with is a bunch of fucking ducks that need dawn that you're going to have to scrub. You're going to wind up with you know, uh, fracking water. Yep. In your fucking drinking water. I mean, it's just like like this is this and, is the and, real reality. And if he's yeah. pulling regulations out, which he says he's going to be doing, you got to think that it's going to be in the best interest of some of those people to pull out some of those regulations that happen to regulate the industry that their lob that their lobbyists are in their ear for. Right. So you know, it could be really bad for the environment. This specifically could be terrible for us. And you know, I don't care. I don't have any kids. Right. So I'm going to die in fucking. 
10 years or whatever however long <laughs> I got, years, right? 10 years, please. However long I got, right? Optimist. I'm going to die before, Optimist prime before, <laughs> before the Trump presidency is <laughs> over. But I'm going to die, yeah. and I don't have any fucking legacy. I don't have any kids right. I have to worry about. You know what I mean? Like, I, I clearly there's kids I care about, but they're not my kids. You know right. what I mean? Like, these kids are going to be, you know, what? They got 50, 60 years left? 70 years in some cases? Yeah, right. Yep. 80 years? What is the fucking, what are we going to look like in 80 years if we're fucking, if we're fucking wiping our ass with the United States as it is? Like, it's got, I don't, I don't think that stinky toilet paper gets better with age. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's depressing. Because I've got those kids. Yep. I know. Like, yeah, no, like, it's, you know, it's like, a horrifying, I mean, and then you start talking about the climate skeptic he's got picked for the EPA. Uh, it's, 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 and this, this one is really nightmarish. It's really nightmarish. We keep, and I know we joked about this on, on a previous podcast, we keep moving tipping point past tipping point, oh, yeah, tipping yeah. point in terms of climate them. change. Yeah. You know, my kid, I got a, I got a two-year-old, it's 2016. If he lives to 80, we're talking about a kid who's going to, you know, die in 2096. Sure. You know, what does his world look like in 2096? I guarantee it's drastically different yeah. than the world that I live in. Sure. And I, you know, I, I'm constantly wondering when I wake up in the morning and take a hot shower, if this is going to be... It, it, when that turning point is when I'll stop and say, remember when you could just casually take a hot shower yeah. anytime you, you wanted? You could take two a day? Do you remember you could when just you could do as that? Much as you, you know, there, yeah. there are so many parts about living in a world right now where the use of energy is casual, the use of clean water is casual, These, the, 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 the abundance of fresh, clean air. You know, it's not the, it's not the case already in, in, in China. Go to, go to uh, fucking Berlin right now. You, not, I don't know if it's right now, but you remember when they had... You know, the, they got to wear a fucking mask. You can't see your hand in front of your face, and it just hung like a pall in the air. Yeah. You know, for, for months and Beijing. months and months. Beijing. Thank yeah. you very much. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, you said Berlin. <laughs> did I? What a fucking asshole I am. What an asshole. It's probably dirty there, too. I, meant Be- I mean, yeah. let's be honest. I meant Beijing, but let's I'm be retarded. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's okay. But, I mean, think about that. Yeah. Like, that's a world I, I don't to, have to I just to wanted to in. stop the emails. Yeah. That's yeah, all. You know, you know how that is. We're still going to get We're gonna them. Fun's going to tweet at me like, I don't know the difference between Berlin and Beijing. Oh, Berlin. Fucking fuck me. Actually, all right. I don't. <laughs> I don't know the difference. Never been either. Yeah. They're probably not real. All right. So, sixth. This is, again, the same thing. Lift the Obama-Clinton roadblocks and allow vital energy infrastructure projects like the Keystone Pipeline to move forward. Great. Yeah. Again, this is the same thing. Seventh, cancel billions of payments to the U.N. climate change programs and use the money to fix America's water and environmental infrastructure. I just want to say real quick, what I could find what we pay to the U.N. Now, I did some digging. Please correct me if my numbers are off. But after digging for about 30 minutes to try to find out whether or what we pay, I came up with $3 billion. Are you fucking kidding me? So if you make $100,000 a year, that's like $78. That's like 78 fucking dollars. And in 2020, they expect the cost to be up to $100 billion, but that's split among nations, and that's sort of what the the, the Paris talks are about. But $100 billion, again, even if we're paying it, is not a— it's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. not at all. But, and, and I do not think you get much infrastructure for $3 billion. Yeah. I don't think you get on a, a lot. On a national scale? On a scale? national scale, I don't think you get Come a lot. On. Again, this is one of those things that he's saying, like, look, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to cut out this shitty thing, and I'm going to make America great again by doing this thing because we don't, we don't agree on climate change. So he's, he's saying I'm going to do th- – and what he's going to wind up doing is a pretty horrible thing because they, they do do stuff with that money, and that's a good thing that they do. And then 
you're going to take that away and you're going to have what? You're going to make, oh, made a bridge. Yeah, right. That's exactly, you know, and, that, and that's the thing, right? Like, it's not like he's going to reinvest it into climate change programs in the U.S. Yeah, he's not going to take the money and yeah. take it from a, an international scope and make it a national scope. Yeah. That's what he kind of words it as. Yeah. But that's not what's going to happen in, a, in the real world. He's Re- not Republicans gonna, don't yeah. do that. And he's not going to make a fucking new deal for everybody either. You right. know what I mean? He's right. not going to be hiring tens of thousands of workers to make new roads and new, you know, whatever. Yeah, not, not yeah, there's no that. fucking, no Hoover Dam is being not built. Not going to do that. Right? Yeah. So, again, this is another thing that he's, he's shifting now. This is all a different, uh, he's talking about different, uh, a different shift. Additionally, on the first day, I will take the following five actions to restore security to the constitutional, pardon me, I will take the following five actions to restore security and the constitutional rule of law. So, That's first... Cancel every unconstitutional executive order. And there are a ton of these. This, I I mean, you could just scroll down. This is from the same. This is from this is from Obama. You could just scroll down. But the thing is, is like, you know, these there's a range here. We're talking about certain things like how we interrogate terrorists. We're talking about sanctions against certain nations, talking about immigration, we're talking deportation. These things all range throughout here. So there's and there's some stuff about pay. There's other stuff. The other thing too is he can kind of decide. From what I've been reading, he can kind of decide that any of them are unconstitutional because there's some people who think right. that it might be unconstitutional. <laughs> My suggestion is, and I don't know a lot about this, but I think that Andrew Torres and and Thomas Smith will probably do an, an opening arguments if they haven't already on executive orders. Well, and I, I did some I did some reading on executive orders, and he can with the stroke of a pen. Get rid of any one or all, or you yeah, know, so you can sure. do it. And so that's the thing with an executive order. Like one of the things Obama did when he first came in, you know, like George Bush had an executive order saying no embryonic stem cell research, and Obama was like, mm, not so much, do, and he just, yeah. you know, he, he made and, and now he can come in. Now yeah, Trump can, can yeah. come in and be like, well, I'm fucking, I'm undoing what you did. Yeah. <laughs> like that's it, it, that is the power. And we talked about power creep. Um, we, we, did we talk about power creep a little bit, a little bit? On, on se- about when that seven hour podcast that we <laughs> Jesus, did? Yes. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about power creep. Cause that, that's something that occurs to me and, and worries me about this, um, particular subject. So over the course of the last 16 years, George W. Bush and Obama and Obama accelerated the pace, um, from George W. to Obama. And then I think one of the things that scares me is that I, I feel like Trump will continue to yeah, push. And Obama this. didn't really push back on it. That's the thing is he didn't say, I'm going to take some of my power away. No, he didn't no, really do that. Absolutely right? not. So, yeah. So, so when I talk about power creep, I'm talking about the use of executive orders, right? Um, and so there are a handful of things and by handful, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of things that the president wants to get done. And, you know, the legislature is not getting done. And so he can sign an executive order. And the constitutionality of executive orders has been debated back and forth, and I don't know enough about it to speak terribly intelligently, but I know that it's controversial and it's been debated. But a number of things get done or get um, uh, wiped out, meaning like, hey, we're not going to allow this any longer, through the use of executive orders. As that power creeps, and then you put it in the hands of a guy like Trump. Yeah. The thing that scares me is that I think that Trump is going to have a hard time getting some of his things done, even with the Republican House and, and Senate. And I think he's the kind of egoist and narcissist and guy who has been dictatorial in his control of his companies, because that's how companies run, that I I think that power creep will only accelerate. So if you're worried about the constitutionality of executive orders and the power creep toward the presidency and toward the executive branch, this is only going to accelerate that pace of change. Yeah, Yeah, there's two two ends. There's, 
you know, less powerful and draconian. And I think it's going to lean toward the draconian. I, I, and there's, there's with no, Trump I mean, with Trump, of course. Of course yeah. it will. All right. So second, begin the process of selecting a replacement for Justice Scalia from one of my 20 judges on the list. I hope some of them are alive who will <laughs> uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. And so there's a bunch of people I don't know. I looked at this list. They're just a bunch of federal judges that I don't know. One guy, Senator Mike Lee from Utah, is the other one. Yeah. And then Glenn Beck had mentioned him. I, I can't imagine anything this this being anything but a horror show. I don't know enough about these judges. I could have spent plenty of time. Hours I could have hours, spent yeah. hours researching how they handle this stuff, but I don't know how to research a judge well enough. Um, so I'm going to leave it at like for, from his track record so far and from him getting Pence to agree to it and even Ted Cruz saying, I like this list. It, to right. me, it sounds like it'd be something bad. Um, but again, I think that, you know, this list, you know, you could probably go over this list with Andrew Torres and he would tell you everything about these guys and because it's his, it's his field. It's his, so so his he would know. Man. But but let's let's you know how you can know is because he can say that you know, Trump stood in front of everybody and said Scalia is basically a national hero. Yeah. I want to replace him with somebody just like it. Well, we know enough about Scalia to know that to know that guy terrible. was a yeah. goddamn nightmare. Yeah, he was an awful person. Right. I just yeah. hope they find somebody fat and dead. Yeah. You that know? would be great. That would be yeah. amazing. They'd just make keep the, dying. They'd make the same level of decisions. And just keep yeah, dying. Exactly. Just appoint somebody and they yeah. keel over. And then they go, they yeah. just keel over. They like pop like zits. <laughs> they like walk into there and just like, poom, Good Jeffy poom, pop those poom. fucking guys. Like fucking gremlins, you know? <laughs> all right. Um, third, cancel all federal funding to sanctuary cities. And a sanctuary city, if you don't know, is where they don't prosecute people for being undocumented. Um, it's basically like a city that's, that legalizes an ounce of weed. Right. You know, it's like that sort of thing. You won't be prosecuted if you go here. There's a whole list of sanctuary cities that I found. Chicago's on it. Um, and I want to read Illinois, actually, because I think it's kind of funny. Chicago has Champaign County, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois, Cicero, Evanston, and then Cook County, which includes Chicago, Cicero, and Evanston. I know. Isn't that funny? Unless, I mean, I guess maybe what they're saying is that the county won't prosecute you as well as these three cities. Yeah. That might be what they're saying, but I just thought it was funny. I was like, it, it, it might have been. It might have been just an order of operations. Could be thing. too. The they city made it done it first, afterwards. and then yeah. But if you look at some of these, there's big cities on here as well as some, you know, not so big cities. Miami, Florida, and then Jupiter, Jupiter, right? which is sixty thousand. And this and this list ranges all over the place. This list is huge. There's a ton of places in the United States where people will not get prosecuted based on just being an illegal immigrant. So, and you know, there's a number. And of he's going to cut. He's going to cut <clears throat> all, federal, federal, all funding. federal funding, which. Which and there's a number of mayors who are like fucking bring it, son. Seattle was yep. like great story. Yeah, guess what we're still doing? Yep, being a sanctuary city because it's more. What what you know? Let's not pretend that these cities do this out of the kindness of their hearts. Yeah, right. Not doing it because they're fucking humanitarian. It's economically yeah. viable. Yeah. That's what they're saying, and that's why Seattle and and you know other cities that have come out and said, yeah, all right, you know what your federal funding isn't worth. Yeah, the economic impact. Yep. Of not doing this, yep. right? That's what they're saying. This is this is a dollars and cents issue, absolutely. And, and his proposal to get rid of federal funding to sanctuary cities—that's a—that's um, a knee-jerk reactionary thing to do for people that are anti-immigrant. Exactly, it's going to cost money and jobs. Let's yeah. not pretend it's, that it's not. It's just like when we fucking drug test people that are right. on, uh, on. It's just welfare. a fucking feel-good thing all for is, fucking assholes. All it is is so that you can you can look down your nose at someone a little right. little more. That's yeah. all it is for, right. and that's what this is for. Yeah. Fourth, begin removing the more than 2 million criminal illegal immigrants from the country and cancel visas to foreign countries that won't take them back. And technically, they're all criminals, 
illegal immigrants are all criminals. So technically he can do whatever he wants. And he also overstates the, uh, he's talking about, I think he's talking about violent criminals, yeah, but right. he's overstating the, 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 the level of crime by illegal immigrants. It's just not, it's just not to the yeah. level that he says it is. I know. I, I read that one and I was like, I, that's that, that actually doesn't really mean it. It doesn't mean it. Anything. Doesn't mean it anything. doesn't mean it. It doesn't There's nothing yeah, in there. Exactly. Not honestly. Fifth, suspend immigration from terror prone regions where vetting cannot safely occur and, and vetting, all vetting of people <laughs> coming into our country will be considered extreme, extreme. vetting. Um, they waterboard you with Mountain Dew. Yeah, they have to. They actually <laughs> snowboard you with Mountain Dew. Snowboard <laughs> different extreme vetting. Snowboarding with Mountain Dew. I don't know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> they just they just make a board out of snow and hit you with it. And so just, you say, I don't want to be here anymore. They take a Mountain Dew Peace. slushy, and yeah, that's what they use exactly. to waterboard you with. It's cold. Yeah. It gives me brain freeze, and I feel like I'm drowning. You have to you have to like jump off a cliff and base jump into the country. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so it's extreme vetting and I'm not sure what this does for asylum law. Right. So like one of the things that we have is asylum. We have a way in which somebody can say I'm seeking asylum. Just like right. when we talked about Ian Hersey Ali, how she came to where she Belgium or one yeah. the Netherlands yeah. where she came there and she was, she was seeking asylum. We have a, we have a similar law. We have a way right. in which people can seek asylum in the United States based on being persecuted. At what level does this extreme vetting uh, sort of supersede this because it's based on where they're coming from? I mean, you know, so well, we, we my have- understanding is that is, is that this is actually one of the president's most uh, broad powers is that he can yeah. do this. He and, can. And, absolutely. And he can, yeah. He can decide, you know, sorry, man, you're yeah. from Syria. Tough shit. It's real sad. It's just it fucking, you get the fucking nose stamp on coming in here. It's not that I disagree with vetting people that come into the country. It's not no, that no, I disagree with that. But there's already a process. There's already for a this. process for it. And, you know, I understand one of the things I want to say, though, too, and this is something that that we that we get constant shit about. People will try to transpose their country's immigration problems with ours. And our immigration problem is very, very, very different than the one that's happening in Europe right now. It's very different. So when when I say the immigrants here, the immigrants that are coming into our country, um, there there's a very different type of relationship that we have with them than the people that are coming in from the war-torn areas from those countries. It's a very different relationship, and they are not really analogous at all. And so I, I, I don't want to get caught up in, well, in my country, immigration is, is a problem. It's like, okay, well, we're not in your fucking country. Yeah, it's a different set of circumstances. Yeah, Donald, Donald Trump mm. isn't fucking ruling in your country. We're talking mm. about Donald Trump's first hundred days. We're not talking about how it is in your country. Yeah. You know, do I, do, you know, I, there are places in, in that are having some very difficult times with immigrants in the EU. I get that. I understand yep. that. But yep. that's not here. That's not how it is here. Right. So we can't, these are not analogous situations, and I won't treat them as such. Um, so this next piece, he says, the next work, next I will work with Congress to introduce the following broader legislative measures and fight for their passage in the first 100 days of my administration. And these are all sort of bills that he's suggesting. So the Middle Class Tax Relief and Simplification Act, an economic plan designed to grow the economy by 4% each year and create at least 25 million new jobs through massive tax reduction and simplification in combination with trade reform, regulatory relief, and lifting the restrictions on American energy. The largest tax reductions are for the middle class. A middle class family with two, with two children will get a 35% tax cut. The, the current number of brackets will be reduced from seven to three on 
on and tax forms will likewise be greatly simplified. The business rate which will be lowered from 35 to 15 percent, and trillions of dollars of American corporate money overseas can now be brought back uh, at a 10 percent rate. So that's that's the broad range of what this particular middle cleave middle class tax relief simplification act does. Um, tax cuts might not free up money in the economy, right? Well, they, they, and they, they often actually, haven't. They actually, they actually have. That's the thing is, they often haven't. Right. And they just take money out of the government purse. That's all they do. They just take money. Like, we just don't get enough money, and then people just don't spend that money. Like they don't just because I get a tax cut doesn't necessarily mean I spend it on a new iPhone. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it could create a huge budget deficit, and. Uh, Bad trade can raise prices for us so it could mean a net loss, right? So that's where this leads to is that, you know, suddenly he's saying, you know, what happens with this other stuff? Well, if we have bad trade deals, we can raise prices and then we're just at a net loss with the money that we're saving on our taxes. When I looked at what economists thought about this, um, I really I really found two very divergent views when, sure. I, when I was reading articles. Um, and I, I know that that his initial tax plan, you know, they the economists that evaluated his initial tax plan was like, this is going to cost trillions of dollars. Yeah. This is a terrible fucking sure. decision. He's since revised that tax plan. Although a lot of a lot of the um, a lot of the criticism is that it, it's it's sparse on details. It's not Again, terribly practical. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily have broad congressional support to actually happen, which is a which is a problem with a number of these a number items, of these right? things. Yeah. So let's 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 pause real quick. I know you don't want to get too far off track. Let's pause real quick and say that, you know. Much of what he is proposing is not backed by his own party, yeah. And it is it is likely for it for it to be very difficult for him to get a lot of these things through. And what I think we should remember when we say that is the stuff that you probably disagree with isn't going to happen, or pro- stuff that you probably agree with is probably not going to not going to happen, gonna happen. Right? right? So understand that. He doesn't have the backing of people that that are going to agree with you. What the anti-establishment has, stuff exactly. is not happening. Yeah, the, the but, establishment won't let it happen. The establishment won't let it happen. But the anti-immigrant stuff probably will happen. Right. It'll it'll have broad backing. The um, the trickle down economics garbage that he wants to propose will probably happen because this is good for those. The people. anti-climate change stuff is good for industry. Good That's for those gonna people. Happen. Right. But when we talk about term limits, that shit's probably not going to happen. We talk happen. about lobbyists, that shit's not probably gonna not going to happen. So there is shit on there that I agree with, but again, that's the stuff that's probably not going to happen. And this is the stuff that I think a lot of people voted for him for, right? Because he said, "I want to get rid of the pork in Washington. I want to do that stuff." And they're like, "Fucking Washington's like." Um, bruh, we're right here. I know, right? we, are, we are right here. There's a moment where, yeah. where it's like, we can hear you, yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. I'm fucking, like, you're fucking my wife, and yeah. I'm watching I'm you do right it. right here. Right, it's yeah. a fucking, I'm, I'll give you pointers, yeah, actually. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so the next one is end the Offshore Act. And now the offshore is not what you think here, <laughs> uh, it, which establishes tariffs to discourage companies from laying off their workers in order to relocate in other countries and ship their products back to the U.S. Ta- tax-free and tariff-free. And, and specifically, what he's trying to do is lasso companies to stay here. And what that means to me is that may not want – the people that hear this may not want to come back to the United States if they realize that they're going to ha- be stuck here. You know what I mean? Because if you say, look <clears> – <throat> I'm going to discourage these companies by creating tariffs, right? By creating tariffs for you, I'm going to discourage these companies from actually relocating. Well, if I'm away, right? If I'm if I'm away, if you're already gone, if I'm already you're gone, not coming back. I may right? not come back and be like, oh, well, fucking, because if I if I want to leave, I want to leave at my whim. I don't want to be stuck here. 
You know, this is fucking, this isn't Hotel California. You know what I mean? Like, like, and I don't know that that's going to encourage businesses to stick around. Well, I think that dovetails, to be fair to him, which I don't want to be, but I think that dovetails with the, with the point about the middle, reef, middle class tax relief. He says the business rate will be lowered from 35 to 15 percent, and trillions of dollars of American corporate money overseas can now be brought back at a lower rate, at a 10 percent yeah. rate. So I think that's the inducement, yeah. and he would try to make a bigger inducement to uh, offset the the sticking point. But I think that you're right in that um, companies don't like to be bottled in. They don't, yeah. they don't like that. Yeah. You might, you, there may be some companies who will right. say like, right. how would your company feel? <laughs> they, <laughs> no, they would be like, they'd be like, fuck you. No. Yeah, they'd be like, fuck you, bro. How yeah. about I fucking leave? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like <clears throat> I think, I think one thing he's not counting on is the spite factor that a lot of companies will you know, they'll just be like, fuck you. I know how I am as a consumer, right? Yeah, right. I'm a spiteful consumer. You're a spiteful person. I am a spiteful. You're the spiteiest that, person true. I've known. Very true. But you I'm have a, a spidey sense. But I'm, <laughs> I'm a... You're a spite man. <laughs> <laughs> if, you had a, if you had a superpower, it would be angrily leaving a shopping <laughs> cart somewhere. in the middle of an aisle. I have, I have on several <laughs> occasions had a full shopping cart. And if they don't get enough people to run registers in Chicago, I just leave the entire shopping cart and leave. I'm like, fine. You don't want my money. Put all these groceries back. I don't even care at this point. But I understand. You're right. Melty yeah. and your meat's gone bad. <laughs> Fuck you. I don't care. I don't care enough. I'll go fi- I'll go waste my time and energy somewhere else. Yeah, I know. Right? I know. I'll go to another fucking place. And I have a feeling like he's not counting on that. He's thinking, oh, well, they'll only think profits. And I think companies will eat some profits to prove point. Right? I think that that some might will. happen. I think some, some will. will. Yeah. I think I think some also, like nobody wants to be the guy who made the decision who two years from now you're bottled in, yeah. right? And yeah. now you're losing money, yeah. right? I think, I because think, of a yeah. tariff that you didn't expect, and you can't make that decision. Yeah. You know, having economic flexibility is huge. Yeah. You know, for organizations. All right. So the next one is the American Energy and Infrastructure Act leverages public-private partnerships and private investments through tax incentives to spur one trillion dollars in infrastructure investment over ten years, and it is revenue neutral. Um, I was looking at this, and uh, this bill, this particular bill, has already passed uh, the House. And the bill would make changes to, uh, to permitting requirements for pipelines and other energy infrastructure at international borders instead of obtaining a presidential permit. Sponsors of oil pipelines and electric transmission projects that cross international borders would be required to obtain a certificate of crossing from either the United States uh, Secretary of State or the United States Secretary of Energy, and that's from Wikipedia. It was passed in the House in 2013, but I suspect there's a Senate holdup, and that's why he brings He's this got it up, in here, right? right? Yeah. So th- this is done. This one's going to be done. I mean, mm-hmm. this one, if it passed oh, yeah. the House, it's done. It's so in. it's just going to happen. It's in like Flynn. The next one is kind of horrifying. This one is School Choice Act. Oh, my God. Um, We've talked about school choice. I fucking hate it. This one is School Choice and Education Opportunity Act redirects education dollars to give parents the right to send their kid to public, private, charter, magnet, a religious, or homeschool of their choice. Ends Common Core brings education supervision to local communities, and it expands vocational and technical education and uh, make two to four year college more affordable. I, you know, I agree with some of this stuff, but it's it's so vague. It's like, right. okay, well, great. What does that mean? Make two to four year college uh, uh, more affordable? I don't know what that means. I don't know what that more means technical either. education. I like the idea, but what does that mean? Right. And Common Core again. This is a witch hunt that they've been on for the last tw- uh, however long Common Core's existed. 
It had been on a witch hunt for it. So I want to talk about two things on this that bother me. The end common core. You can't end common core midstream. Common core. It would be very problematic to not give it an opportunity to now play out. Yeah. You, you can't. You, you just. What are you going to flip that fucking switch in the middle of of somebody's educational experience? Yeah. yeah. You know. Come on. How much? How much time, energy, resources already put into place? We're now we're not even going to find out. You know. Like how effective it is, we're not yeah. even gonna give it a fucking yeah. chance just because people are mad that they have to do math a different way. It's fucking retarded. Um, and then the, the whole idea of like, well, we're gonna give people a choice to send their kids to wherever. Yeah. You're funding religious schools. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. what you're yeah. the cut out it's all the voucher shit. system. It's the voucher yeah. system. Voucher systems are fucking full of problems. We've talked about these problems ad nauseum. I don't want to repeat them. The voucher system is a way for federal dollars to fund private religious yeah. institutions. Yeah. It's just a backdoor to way to fund religious institutions. The next one is repeal and replace Obamacare uh, Act. It fully uh, repeals Obamacare and replaces it with health savings accounts. That's not actually true. He's already talking about keeping some provisions. Uh, the ability to purchase health insurance across state lines and lets states manage Medi- Medicare funds. Also, uh, Ryan's talking about eliminating Medicare. Reforms will also include cutting the red tape at the FDA, where over 4,000 drugs are awaiting approval, and we especially want to speed the approval of life-saving medications. I don't know what kind of red tape you're cutting. If you're cutting medical regulations and shit, that actually sounds more problematic than it's fucking worth, right? I understand, you know, that government processes build up some red tape, but is some of that stuff in there for safety? Because if it is, what the fuck? Like, here's some more Vioxx, guys. Uh, Oh, I had a heart attack. Right, awesome. Also, right now, he's talking about the pre-existing conditions things. Before they mentioned this, I was hearing about women going in to get their uh, IUD replacement now. Now. So they because they have five years, even though they have like two or three years left, they're like, "Well, just take it out and put it back in." Can you just right. fucking be like, burr, burr, you know, like fucking, <laughs> "Can you figure out like where to go with that?" I, I'd like an yeah. oil change yeah, while exactly. you're in there. Is there I don't know. Way, uh, Can you change the tires? Do whatever. To, I need to drain the fluids. Just, I so, just need a whole lube yeah. change. <laughs> I need a quick lube. I need a new chassis. So no, but but seriously, yeah, like right. there, there's women out there that are like fucking. I, I what if Pence gets his way and says there's no birth control or something? Yeah, I, you know I was what I mean? talking like, to somebody the other day. Yeah. I was like, "Fucking get your tubes tied now." Like if you're going to do it. Now's yep. the time. Now's the time to do it. Uh, Affordable Child Care and Elder Care Act allows Americans to deduct child care and elder care from their taxes, incentivizing employers to provide on-side, on-side? It should be on-site. I think it's on-site child care services and creates tax-free dependent care savings accounts for both young and elderly dependents with matching contributions for low-income families. I don't hate this. I like this. I don't hate this. Yep. I wonder where the tax breaks come from. Are we making more of a deficit by doing this? Like yep. Again, we're, ma- we're talking about tax breaks. And also, one of the things that really bothers me about that, you know, the Republican Party, is we love fucking, we love tax breaks, but we hate welfare. And it's the same fucking thing, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we love these tax breaks, but it's like, well, why don't we just provide this stuff? Why don't we just provide for people who need it this, you know, this stuff? Instead, what we're doing is we're saying the people who can easily afford it are getting tax breaks on it, and the people who can't afford it. Yeah, they're just fucked. I like this a lot, actually. I, I, you know, I don't know how it would be put into place, but I think what something like this could do is it could incentivize people to enter the workforce that right now are disincented to enter the workforce Possibly, because yeah. they yeah. have someone to care for, yeah. and they have to match the cost of child or elder care before they make a profit working. Yeah. So if more people enter the workforce, it's more tax dollars that are created. Sure. That's more money that yeah. moves into the economy. Hey, that seems like a good thing. Also more MILFs in the workforce. That's hey, all I'm saying. Hey, you know what's what I mean? up, ladies? <laughs> um, the, last, uh, the, the next one is... 
end illegal immigration act. It fully funds the construction of a wall on our southern border <laughs> with the full understanding that the country of fucking Mexico will be reimbursing the United States for the full cost of such a wall. They will not do it. They've already said they won't do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna- I don't know where you're going to do it. I don't know well, you're going to fucking like, I don't know what you're going to do. Well, he said he's going to do it by the imposition of tariffs yeah. and by taxing remittances. Okay. That's how he said he's going to do it. So whether they, he could, by doing those things, get the money from Mexicans, yeah. not Mexico. Right. Right? And there, that's a little bit of a difference, That is a difference, right? yeah. It's a little bit of a difference. It establishes a two-year mandatory minimum federal prison sentence for illegally re-entering the United States after a previous deportation, a five-year mandatory minimum for illegally re-entering for those with felony convictions. Who pays to house these multiple people? Multiple misdemeanor convictions for two or more prior deportations. Also, reforms visa rules to enhance penalties for overstaying to ensure that open jobs are offered to American workers. First, hey, look, we don't want you here, but we're going to put you up for five years. I know, right? Like, that doesn't even like, make any sense. Like, I'm going to put you in jail. Well, fuck it, then you're still paying for me to be here. <laughs> I don't. You, I don't understand it either. I, it, uh, you know what it is though. A lot of privatized prisons oh make god, money. Off oh this. my god, they make money off. This. I know. I hadn't thought about that, and I think you're right, and that makes me. Fucking sick. So, Are you ki- so we're just gonna we're gonna expand the prison industrial complex. Yeah. That's that's a, sure because that's part yeah. of a solution. Mm-hmm. Restoring Community Safety Act reduces surging crime, drugs, and violence by creating a task <laughs> force on here. violent crime, and increasing <laughs> funding of, for programs that train and assist local police, increases resources for federal law enforcement agencies and federal prosecutors to dismantle gangs, and put violent offenders behind bars also to the military militarize the fuck out of our police force. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy tanks on your street. Cause that's what this is going to do. Yeah. This is the cut it out already. Yeah. Bill. Right. Also, like, also the task force on drugs went so well. I, I can't wait till they do the one on gangs. I know, man, we've had task force on task forces on gangs before. And we still have gangs. Yeah. Like gangs, like you're not getting rid of gangs. You're not getting rid of people getting together to do stuff. That's what gang. I mean, how are you going to stop that? Especially That's human crime. activity. Yeah. We're tribalistic by nature. Yeah. You're going to stop that? How are you going to fucking stop that? All right. So um, restoring National Security Act rebuilds our military by eliminating the defense sequester uh, and expanding military investment provides veterans with the ability to receive their public VA treatment or attend a private doctor of their choice, protects our vital infrastructure from cyber attack, whatever that means, establishes... build walls in our computers. New, <laughs> firewalls. Establish new screening procedures for immigration to ensure that those who are admitted to our country support our people and our values. What does that mean? How broad is that in it scope, means, right? It means a religious test to get into the country. It means a fucking an, a Muslim list. That's it can what mean, it means. It can mean even more than that, too. Yeah. Because because when you when you say something that broad, new screening procedures for immigration to ensure those who are admitted to our country support our va- people and our values, that can mean anything. Yeah. That can mean anything at all. Yeah. That can mean that people... Ugh, that that's horrifyingly yeah. broad, and what a scope of powers! Yeah, that is that is terror. That's a terrifying one of those. Yep. That you know, there's a couple of these in there that are vague enough where they can be really, really horrible. Yep. I hope that you know some of these things come to pass, and they're and they're good things. But some of these, there, I read nothing, nothing good in the end of that one. Now, do I think that you know 
helping veterans get better medical care is a good thing? Absolutely. I've been for that for years. You know what I mean? Like, I've been for that. Absolutely. I want to see veterans. We underfund the VA. We underfund it, period. We need to fucking make sure we do a better job. You know, they want to go to a private doctor and we want to pay for that. I understand that. I get it. I fucking want to make sure the VA and that they have, the veterans have the ability to have good health care. They have done a service for this country that we need to repay. So I'm I'm not willing to just be like, no, they shouldn't get any fucking funding. But I'm wondering where that money's going to come from, right? He's got all these fucking plans to spend a lot of money, and then I'm just seeing a ton of tax because I'm like, where the fuck are we going to get all this money? I don't know, man. Well, like, because he says, rebuild our military <clears throat> by eliminating and expanding military investment. The military is our biggest line item. I know. It's the biggest, well, I know entitlements. But outside, of, the military is our fucking biggest line item. Defense, we already spent a gazillion dollars on that. Yeah. We spend more than all the other countries. Like, uh, not all of them, but almost all of them yeah. combined. You put like a combined. lot of them. Combined. You put a lot of them in one side of the seesaw and us on the other, and, and it's about dude, equal. Right? We made that into a fucking trebuchet. We shot those fuckers up so high. <laughs> exactly. We spend so much money. The idea that our military needs to be rebuilt. Why? Yeah. So we can fight the moon? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> what are you talking about? We were surrounded on all sides by ocean. Yeah, you know, to to your point before, one of the reasons we don't have the immigration problem that all, Europe has, one of the reasons is our physical geography. That also helps to keep us real fucking safe. Yeah. We have a north border and a south border, but guess what? East and west, our border is called the ocean, yeah. and it's real fucking safe because we can see your motherfucking ass coming. Exactly, all right, from a long way it's, off. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We are not unsafe. Yeah. We are not unsafe. We have all the planes and tanks and trains and automobiles that we need yeah the only thing i'm worried about is what happens when they when they join up with russia which is what's going to happen we're going to join up with russia Ugh. and we're going to join up with assad right and we're gonna we're gonna go bunny i can't we're gonna start rocking our we're gonna start doing some flying missions over there and start rocking syria what's gonna happen then you know like we've been sort of insulated from that but he's gonna up you know, you know, when we talk about what he's going to do, one of the major things he's been talking about doing, and this is specific in this last one, when he's talking about the cyber attack stuff, he's talked about turning back on keyword logging for citizens, not just for fucking like people that are what they're watching or whatever. Watch or like he's talking about for everybody, right? So when when fucking Jim Baker had his fucking his underwear pulled up over his eyes in a wedgie, <laughs> freaking the fuck out about what Obama's doing. I know. What he really needed to do was be worried about what Trump is going to do because Trump doesn't he's fucking does not give a fuck. These are people who are going to fucking piss away your freedoms for for the illusion of security. The illusion, the of, security. illusion of security. It's not real security either. Absolutely. That's the thing that makes me crazy. If you're gonna fuck me, you know, at least at least give me something in return. But here all they're doing is they're they're, they're like, we're gonna take away your freedoms. We're gonna Can you imagine, Cecil? Can you imagine I'm, I'm I'm shifting, but can you imagine a strategic military alliance with Russia? Yeah. No, I mean I, I mean that like, could be it could, I, it could I, be I, very I, soon. Are you fucking kidding me? June, we're at that place. January thirtieth, maybe. You, oh know, you my don't even God. know. The other thing, too, is he's also going to be appointing people, and this is the next thing we're going to be talking about, but he's also going to be appointing people. You know, one of the things he was saying was FCC chairman might be somebody who was part of Verizon. Yeah. And, you know, kiss your net neutrality goodbye, Oh, he's already folks. said, he's already said, not only does he not understand what it is, but he doesn't like it. Yeah. What? What? What are you kidding me? Yeah. So, so you know, all the people out there who were saying, you know, oh. That's rejecting a threesome before you've even kissed a girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how do you know? Menage a trois. <laughs> no, I don't eat beef. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the last one is 
clean up corruption <laughs> from the Washington Act, uh, enacts new ethics reforms to drain the swamp. <laughs> Can drain the swamp and reduce corrupting Where's influence. Where's Shrek going to live? The corrupting influence of special interests on our politics. I want to mention oh God. these are some of the people that he's picking for his speci- specifically picking for some of the main jobs in our government. Okay, Steve J. Stephen Hart is chairman of Williams and Jensen. Um, is in charge of the labor team. His clients include Visa, American Council of Life Insurers, Coca-Cola, General Electric, etc. Michael McKenna of W of MWR Strategies is working for the Energy Department team, and he uh, works for uh, Dow Chemical or did some work for Dow Chemical in the past. These are all people that are just like you know they're they're with these huge corporations. David Bernhardt of Brownstein, Hyatt is working who leads the interior department team he lobbies for uh westlands water district in central california so he's a lobbyist right another guy there's all these lobbyists that he has lined up he keeps saying i'm gonna drain the swamp drain the swamp drain the swamp motherfucker just keeps pouring buckets of fucking goop in there uh, yeah right? exactly yeah, i know i'm just fucking he's like i brought you some alligators exactly. and ferns anyway exactly. no swamps for us i could keep reading but there's a I ton know. of these people that he's got set up that are lobbyists already that have been lobbyists that are set up for his teams that he's claiming he's going to reduce these special interests in politics when he's hiring people from the special interests to pick people that are going to be the politicians in those positions. I had this conversation with a buddy of mine the other day, and I couldn't even believe it when we were having this conversation. You know, he said one of the things he said, and he's a smart fucking guy that I was talking to. He said, hey, you know, at least Trump doesn't owe anything to anybody, unlike these politicians. And I said, you're a fucking idiot yeah. if you think that. You're a fucking idiot if you think that somebody involved in international business at the, at the scale and scope that Trump has been involved in doesn't have fucking favors out yeah. there, here yeah. and there and everywhere. He owes the same people. Yeah. He owes all the same people as any other politician because in order to get shit done, he's yeah. got to promise this and take that. He's, he's doing he's – doing, the same kinds of things. He's accumulating the same kinds of relationships, the same kinds of favors, the same kind of horse trading yeah. that goes on in politics. It might be different people, but it's the same set of problems. All you've done is, is you've replaced one set of cronies with another set of cronies. Yep. That's it. Yep. Do we really think that somebody like Donald Trump doesn't owe favors to get this thing built exactly. or that thing exactly. built or that permit or this you know, uh, sign yeah. off. Right. Are you fucking kidding me? How fucking naive and stupid are you yeah. that you would fucking say that? Yeah. It's a stupid fucking thing to say. Well, we what we have, I think, is we have on the other side some people who are going to forgive Trump for not doing the things that he said he was going to do. Sure. Because there's going to be some things that he's just not going to be able to do. And for and 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 let's be honest, you know, we were willing to forgive Barack Obama for a lot of stuff that he didn't you do. Forgive. Yeah. You forgive. Nobody gets done and everybody implicitly recognizes that nobody gets done a tenth of what they say they're going to yeah. get done. What you're looking for is their direction. Is the direction of their policies headed roughly in the same direction that I want yeah. the country. And you're not going to be able to get it all done. I know that. But are you pointed in the same direction that I think we should be pointed in? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, no. not at all. With these 100 days, yeah. I don't no. agree. Yeah. I will say one of the things that a lot of people have been talking about specifically is um, a lot of people are afraid. A lot of people are afraid. And I think there are some genuine concerns. I am afraid. That we need to be afraid yeah. of. And, yeah. um, and we need to keep a very watchful eye on we don't want to be a fascist nation, and we don't want to be a nation that um, that treats all immigrants as if they're less than us. We don't want to be a nation that is going to 
collect a, a database of names for no other reason than to single out a mem- members of the population. There's no reason to do that. You know, we're just singling you out as an other, and that's an awful thing to do. So there are some very good reasons. People that are, you know, uh, that are here. That you know, I was talking to my my buddy who was doing the march here. He was marching in Chicago, and he told me he said, "Look, I teach kids here in Chicago. I I am a I'm a school teacher in high school, and." These kids in my class, they're terrified that they're going to get deported. These are kids that have been here since they're three months old. They don't have another country. They don't, you know, yeah, you know, are they illegal? Yeah, they're illegal in the sense that they've been here since they're three months and it was against their will to come here. But they're three, that that three months until now, America is the only thing they know. They don't speak any other language. They don't know anything about their country of origin. They don't. They, they live here. They live in Chicago. They live here, and for us to to, to be willing to just willy nilly walk in and just start throwing people out of our country, which is what he's been threatening the whole time. So don't tell me I'm overreacting yet. Okay, yep. that's what he's been saying he's going to do. Do you have to see what what's actually going to happen with that? But until that point, I'm trusting him to his word. That's what he said he was going to do. And that's what his constituents want him to yes. do. They voted for that. Yes. And this is one of those things that I think the, the right agrees with. So this is one of those bad marks that nobody on the our side agrees with, that they all agree with, that they're going to be like, yep, time to go, guys. And so we're going to have some very serious problems, and there's a reason for certain people to be scared in this country. So I recognize that. What happened when Obama took office was the privileged got scared. The privileged people of this country looked upon the world and were like, fuck. Oh, my God. What, he's going he's gonna to take our guns away. He's going to take my nice paying job away, my cushy life away. You know, a black person's going to move into my neighborhood now. You know, all these things. All this stuff that they said was going to happen under Obama, the guns being— Didn't nothing. happen. Nothing. None of it happened, None of it happened. right? None of it happened. And— it wasn't from him trying it either. It wasn't from his lack of ability. It was from his lack of effort because he never tried to get rid of your gun. Because it was never a desire. It was never a stated right. goal. And he exactly. fucking came out and said, yep. I don't want your guns. Yeah. But people did. People pushed back against that. Now it's the other side. Yep. Now the privileged is in office. And they're going after the people that are underprivileged, these, these marginalized communities. And the marginalized communities don't have the healthy jobs and the, you know, the way in which to fight against this stuff the way the privileged did. And so we've got to step up. We've got to step up and protect people that need protecting. Yeah. In this 100 days, there's a few things in here. But like we said, there's going to be a lot that's going yeah, I think some of this stuff's just going to roll right past. And the stuff that's going to roll past is the bad stuff. That's the stuff that I don't think yeah, I anybody here really wants um, or anybody with any foresight really wants, right? People that don't mind clear-cutting our economy or our environment, they don't give a fuck, right? They're here for now. How much can I squeeze – how much blood can I squeeze out of this stone right now? I don't give a fuck about long-term consequences. That's the kind of people that are in power right now. So it's going to be a long, hard road for these next – Two years. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum two. But these first 100 days are going to be rough. They're yeah. going to be rough. And we'll see where he goes with this. He's starting to pull center with some of the things he's saying, but we don't know where he's going to be because he hasn't done anything yet and he hasn't had any power yet. Yep. We'll see what happens in those first 100 days. And he's he's a wild card like we've never had before. Yeah. 
you know, I, I want to point that out. Two, two things that I, I'll, I'll say before I leave it. You know, it's been the case twice now in my life that I have witnessed an election that I was um, terribly dispirited by. I was very dispirited when George W. Bush was elected. Sure, sure. Um, and you know what? It turns out I was fucking right to be Absolutely. dispirited, right? Absolutely. Because George W. Bush was a shitty president that got us embroiled in an actual war under false pretenses yeah. that cost, let us not be unclear here, hundreds of thousands of lives. Yeah. A war which is, in all real senses, still being waged 15 years from its onset. We're talking about a war that has outlasted both world wars combined, Yeah. right? Let's not be unclear about what a shitty president can mean for our world. And you're not even touching the economy. <clears throat> and, I, and, I, and I very briefly... George W. Bush's response to an economic recession was to give everybody a check for $300. Yeah. You know, a shitty president can make an enormous impact on the lives of our citizens, on the, on, on the lives of our international community, on our reputation. We have a president, and George W. Bush was a known quantity. Yeah. Right? He was somebody with a track record and a history in governance. We have a guy in power now, and this is why one of the reasons I'm scared, who is a total wild card. Yeah. He is a total loose cannon. If you if you think about him in terms of, of any policy position that he has ever taken, almost all of them he has been on one side and on the other side and every step in between. Yeah. You have no idea what he's really going to do. You have no idea what he'll be able to get done. If he'll push back, you have no idea how Congress is going to react to him. You have no idea how vindictive he'll be to the people he's burned and been burned by throughout this political process. We have no idea. He's threatened to put Hillary Clinton behind bars. Which is a third world country thing to do. Absolutely. That is what happens in third world countries. At his his rally when he won, they were screaming, lock her up. Uh, uh, Unbelievable. Yeah. This is literally unbelievable that this has happened. Um, This is a moment where you cannot... You can't sit on your hands and say, well, ju- it's, just, it's just one of those instances where the guy I didn't like got yeah, in no, no, or, no. or your no. person lost. Yeah. It's time to do a thing. Yeah. Do a thing. Do something. Yeah. Cecil had great suggestions at the beginning of the show. Pick two and do them. Yeah. Do those things because if you don't do those things, then nothing is going to happen except for more of this. Yeah. More of this shit is yeah. going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to spend the next two years <clears> – <throat> being a little more political for sure. <laughs> right. So um, so we understand that the show is uh, skeptical and political. We're going to try to intersperse whatever we can that is not Trump, but understand that this show is going to be Trump-based, sorry, outside the United States. Although I think outside the United States at this point is looking like uh, Eli in the tea house with their hands sort of touching. <laughs> they're like, oh, look at America. You guys are a bunch of dipshits, you know? Right. I have a feeling that they're going to be excited about all the things that we have to say about this stuff. And while we're hiding in our bunkers, eating our Jim Baker slop oh over God. the next several years, um, we're going to try to put out, I think, some pretty good shows. But, um, but we're going to leave that for the next time. And we're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night infodocutainment. 
Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death and Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands. Bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.